The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. Katie Mox and Will Brinson here. And welcome back to our All 32 series, the series where we catch you up with insiders from every team and give you the information you need to know leading up into the season. Today, we are covering the Seattle Seahawks with writer for The Athletic covering the Seahawks, as well as a host for Seahawks man-to-man podcast, Michael Sean Dugar. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. I'm a, I'm a 49ers fan, I have to tell you. So I got I feel oh, a rivalry wow. between us already, but uh, I'm excited <laughs> to dig into it. <laughs> yeah, well, I've just become a master of flying to San Jose um, okay. for years of just covering that rivalry. So, yeah, I'm excited for that, too. That's I'm glad you kicked that off with that, though. I'll keep that in mind. I'll throw a 49ers jacket <laughs> <in> somewhere. <laughs> uh, look, let's, uh, let's, let's start where you got to start when you talk about the, the Seahawks, and that's with the one, the only Eugene Cyril Smith, the third, as Ooh. Ryan Wilson, and I like to call him. You got to put some respect <laughs> on this man's name. Uh, Mike, can, yeah. this, can he how can he follow up last year's literally top 10 performance uh, this season? Like, is that is that a realistic expectation for, for Gino this season? I got to That reminds me. I need to ask Gino when he started going by Gino and not Eugene. Mm. I need mm. to just put that in my <laughs> Because he was Eugene on. all through high school, and then he was, was he Eugene really? in college. Yeah, when I was doing a story on him last year, I was like looking up stuff, and he was like Eugene. The the newspapers referred to him as Eugene. Recruiting sites called him Eugene Smith. So I maybe it was at West Virginia, but anyway, um, <laughs> I think that yeah, I think he can replicate uh, some of that because he was really accurate. Like even when his numbers started to fall off in the back half of the season, like Gino fantasy owners probably know this all too well. Like he started throwing picks around like the Germany game in week 10. Um, he threw like two, I think in the Panthers game late in the year, like it just didn't look as crisp as it did when he was torching the saints or the lions or even the chargers and Cardinals earlier. Um, but if you looked like he was still throwing the ball on target, I still think he was one of the leaders in the league in 
uh, on target throws, or at least the lowest percentage of off target throws. However, you want to look at that still led the league in completion percentage. Um, so it's like, it wasn't that he was making horrible decisions or that the ball wasn't where it was supposed to be. And that's important because if you just get to spraying, well, then people yeah. just don't believe in you. You know, I mean, Josh Allen was a good example of that maybe earlier. Like even now he's, he's good for like one of the most beautiful throws you've ever seen. And then the, the few plays later, it's like, Josh, you know, we're wearing blue today, right? Like <laughs> you good. Um, you know, Gino didn't really have a lot of those. Um, Josh is a better player to be fair, but like, I just think Gino was still making, he had good process. And sometimes you have to go process over results at the quarterback position. And I think Gino's process was still really sound, even when the numbers didn't fully match it. I think that playoff game against the Niners was a good example. Like he didn't have a lot of bad throws, even though they no. just got smoked. Um, but, you know, one fumble in the red zone and then changed the whole game against the defense full of uh, just juggernauts. So I think, yeah, he's he's got better weapons. This year, too, you know, he's got Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, back there as well. They've upgraded the O-line, I think. Uh, well, well, that remains to be seen, but I think they've upgraded it uh, just a tad. It was pretty decent last year, but then fell off a cliff later in the season. And also, he's just – Gino's a really big film junkie, so I think self-scouting oh. will be really important for him. It's not that's necessarily the case for every quarterback, but for him, having the chance to go back and review a full season – every scenario not just watching the tape but like all right here's what happened when it was third and eight here's how, here's how teams played me in week three versus how they played me in week eight you know or just what just going through all those different things two minute fourth quarter end of the half um opening 15 play script he has a chance to review all that and really self-scout so i think knowing that his how much he just lives in the film room and how he adjusts all that that should really make him better as well yeah, I mean, Geno Smith was playing so well that, yeah, the 12th man booing Russell Wilson, which I never thought <laughs> uh, that I would see. Now, were you surprised at how well Geno Smith did play? Uh, because uh, by all means, I mean, everybody thought that the Seahawks were going to take a step back and it seemed like they almost took a step forward. Was it shocking to you to see how well Geno played? And, uh, you know, you've already answered how he's going to do this year, but I'm just so curious how the 12th man and how you felt about it when he came in. Yeah, I was surprised, but not just because I feel like there was disconnect. Everyone was surprised, but I feel like Gino was probably surprised. Like, <laughs> well, G Gino was one of those guys with like, uh, it was like if there was a team f of like irrational confidence, all pros, I think he didn't write back there. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd yeah. probably be number. He, he might be like the the backup maybe because Mahomes <laughs> throws the ball with his other hand. So like, yeah. I really don't think right. that. In terms of confidence, it gets more. He's practicing throwing it behind his back currently, and I'm just like, all right, that's and that's about his confidence. The entire league, he's like telling the entire league about it, like I'm going to throw behind my back this year, and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, so like he he's probably the first team All Pro irrational confidence, and then Gino might be second though, based on what I know about these guys. Uh, but I was surprised because I had seen him play. Right, it's not like he yeah. just showed up in 2022. Right. He was in a battle with Paxton Lynch, I think, in 2019. He had been backing up Russ for a few years. He played in 2021. He made three starts for Russ, four total uh, appearances. He had been in training camp every year in the past, like previous three seasons or something before taking over last year. So I wasn't just going off, oh, Geno Smith came from the Jets. He stinks. I was like, nah, man, I got a bunch of notes in my notebooks going back like three, four years in preseason tape to be like, I don't really think this guy's it. And then he just turned it on um, probably – after like a few practices in camp this time last year, I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's like significantly better than Drew Locke. Um, and <laughs> it may not have felt like it at the time, but I was super confident. Like I was telling anybody who was willing to listen, like, nah, man, 
don't even worry about a competition. Gino's going to be the week one starter. Like yeah. I would be so confident. I'd put money on it if I could. Like it was, it was that clear to me. Um, and what the thing that really surprised me is that Gino was able to push the ball down the field last season yeah. without jeopardizing accuracy um, or ball security. He didn't have a ton of interceptions last year, and he was still letting it fly. He and Tua Tungavailoa were two of the better deep ball passers last season, um, and they were just uncorking it with amazing accuracy last year. So I, I didn't think Gino had that in him. I think it's not that hard to be like a dink and dunk, you know, type quarterback if you got the right uh, scheme or right receivers. But Gino was like, nah, I'm big game hunting with accuracy. <laughs> That's That was legitimately surprising to me and Pete Carroll. Pete will tell you he was surprised by that as well. I mean, he had to have been like Gino. You saw the graphic there. Gino set the record for most passing yeah. yards in in Seahawks history, okay. like like right after replacing Russ. And then you mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like now, I mean, do the Seahawks have a claim with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and uh, is it JSN? Is that is that I, I don't know what his nickname is going to be. JSN. That feels like the easiest way. Do they have the claim to have like the best skill position wide receiver guys group in the league? I'm going with JSN personally, just because. I was trying to type his name during oh, uh, camp like, on my phone and I almost misspelled his last name. And I can, I appreciate uh, you can fill in how I almost got uh, that up. Yeah, I can <laughs> probably get away with that. I have that privilege, but I just don't yeah. want to test it, you know? So I was like, all right, JSN from now on. Yes. So I'm going with JSN. Yes. I encourage everyone else to do so for the same reason, yes. probably. Yeah, um, so I, I could live yes. tweet anything and you're trying to get it out fast, just go with JSN. I promise mm -hmm. you, it'll be, <laughs> it, it's, it's the right call. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of their receiving core, the Bengals still have like they've done it, they've proven it, you know, with Tyler Boyd, T, uh, T. Higgins, and uh, Jamar Chase. They have the best trio, and I think until someone else shows that they have the best trio, they have it. So, but right after that, it's wide open, and I think. With JSN, with DK, with Tyler, like that easily could be. They're just the the raw numbers probably won't like jump out, but it'll probably it could potentially feel like that 2020 Bucks team, which everyone had AB, where it's like AB's numbers weren't crazy, but because he was so talented, and it's like I have to put my third guy on you because we're already guarding Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, not yeah. to mention having to deal with Gronk. It's like Jesus, man, the, we're yeah. screwed. And I think yeah. the Seahawks offensively could present similar challenges where it's like, all right, you put your best guy on DK, you bracket Tyler, and then you probably got some like rookie third round pick on Jackson, you know, just, just by pure numbers. You know? So I think they're going to really be able to take advantage of just the matchup, the mis the mismatches that they create by having so many guys who are just good at the receiver spot. Let's talk about Rashad Penny. You know, his tenure in Seattle is a tough one to pin down. Insanely high draft pick, incredible peaks, a lot of injuries. Are they sufficiently deep at running back given how we expect them to play? Yeah, you know, I I think Ken Walker last year was just outstanding. Um, and yeah. I'm I'm a little I lean a little bit towards the analytics side when it comes to the running back discussion. I'm not full on Third. like you can put any. You can put like a – I'm, I'm admittedly a football nerd, like, but I'm not full on like you can just take an Amazon worker and throw him in there and Bill Belichick offense and he'll run for 200 yards. I'm almost there, but I'm not there. Um, yeah. But I So I do think the guys matter. I, I bring that up to say I wasn't like fully on board when they took Ken with like pick 41 or something in 2022. But then I saw him play and I'm like, all right, it may not have been the best use of resources, but at the end of the day, he's going to be a very he's, he's going to be a plus player. If you talk to a lot of scouts, they'll use that lingo. Like he's a he's a plus athlete or something like that. Ken's a plus player, 
And then the first game Rashad broke his leg, Ken had like a 69 yard touchdown run against the Saints. And it was like, oh, yep, they're going to they're going to be fine. Uh, Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll be straight. And And Ken was not really good at hitting singles last year like he was hit he and like all the jets running backs that weren't Brees hall led the league i believe in like percentage of runs that went for nothing or went backwards you never he's want like, to do he's like an adam dunn style like adam dunn in baseball like t- like three true outcomes right it's gonna be like straight at the middle no yardage or like a just absolute jailbreak that's like electrifying yeah and that's a that's hard to live in which is why they took zach charbonnet who is more like i'm gonna get these singles doubles you know maybe someone takes a bad angle and we got a triple or a home run here um, so I think their running back room, they have guys who complement uh, each other really well. It's not like two guys who do the same thing, which is fine, too. Like, I never think you can have too many good players, um, but they their skill sets perfectly, like, balance one another. Ken's the home run guy who can juke and maybe take a 75-yarder to the crib. And Zach's like, all right, it's first and 10. We just need four right here. We can just stay on schedule real quick. It's third and two. Give us three. You know, that that Zach's going to be able to do that. So, yeah, I, overall, as you guys can tell, I'm pretty high on how they're their offense yeah. uh, is going to yeah. look in 2023. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that draft class that Seattle Oof. put together with two first-round Oof. picks after smashing last year. Next. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, so the 2020, I always get confused. The 2022 draft class, probably the best draft class for John Schneider and Pete Carroll since Russ's draft class in 2012, mm-hmm. maybe. Oh, easily. easily. Yeah, right. And like 2011, 2012 were both great draft classes. Like that's what launched Legion of Boom and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get 2022 come in and they just killed it. And especially, I mean, it helps, you know, when you have the multiple first round picks because the Russ trade. Uh, what are the expectations for this particular draft class? Because you mentioned, you know, like you talk about Ken Walker and like, the, the you know how much draft capital you use like Charbonnet they put up some draft capital in too they went Devin Weatherspoon in the first round and that that's like anti Pete and John to go that early on a defensive back or cornerback but he is like such a perfect P 
Pete Carroll player. Like he is such a dog and like, just like, like relentless. Um, I'm just curious how you think this group of, uh, this group of rookies is going to fit into the overall uh, Seahawks scheme, Seahawks setup. Yeah. I think that what made the 2022 class special is very similar to what made those 2010, 2011, 2012 classes special. It's like, you didn't just hit at the top. You hit deep yeah. in the back end. Like mm. Malcolm Smith was like a seventh round pick. He was an MVP of the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. Sherm, Sherm was a fifth round pick in 2011. Cam Chancellor was a fifth round pick in 2010. KJ Wright, fifth round, fifth or fourth round in 2011. So like you got really good players in the back end. And that's where you think of this 2022 class. Yeah. Abe Lucas was really good. Um, Ken Walker was electric. Then you got like a Pro Bowl corner in the fifth round again, uh, which is yeah. just crazy. So I don't I'd say that to say I don't think the 2023 class necessarily is built to be that same way. I think the top of this class um, yeah. will probably be really solid, very similar to, I would say, the 2015 class for the Seahawks, mm. which had Tyler Lockett and Frank Clark in it. I can't name anyone else from the rest of that class, but I can name Tyler <laughs> and Frank because the top yep. of it was very, very strong. I think with Devin Witherspoon with the fifth pick, Jackson Smith and Jigbo at pick 20, um, even Zach Charbonnet was like pick 52, I believe. Like the top of this class, I could see being very, very strong. The guys just fit really well. Um, and there's a direct path to them playing. Um, in past years, it was just really hard to get on the field in those Legion of Boom like oh. heydays, even if you were a really good college guy. It's like, dude, Earl Thomas is ahead of you. So, get real comfortable on this bench right so like that's not the case now (laughs) so Devin Witherspoon has a quick track to play and like like you mentioned he's just he's a perfect fit um he's really 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 aggressive he likes to hit that's one of the first things that jump out when you watch uh at Illinois yeah he's just like I'll just run through a guy you know even on a rundown so I think that's that's perfect for what uh Pete wants because as well as you can cover Pete won't play if you can't tackle because he knows It ain't long before Sean McVay just dials up a bunch of outside zone runs to your corner side that don't tackle, and then you're screwed, yeah, right? So right. he ain't going to play you. So I think the top of this class can be really, really, really special. These are some of the more uh, supremely ta- raw talents that I've seen. You know, Tyler Lockett was a really good raw talent as well. Um, Frank Frank was too, and I think these guys give me that that same vibe where it's like, oh, Earl Thomas was also just really yeah. raw Russell and really good. Yeah, I'm so I was in I graduated, I think high school and Russell Okun was drafted. So I don't have a a, a lot of like fond, like elite uh, left tackle <laughs> opinions to, to give you. Uh, but yes, he was also a really good uh raw talent uh, as well. Like that's what you kind of get at the top um of the draft. You get you get polished guys too, but like man, they got some raw, really just natural talents or where it's like you don't even have to imagine plugging them in to this to the roster just because that's where you drafted them. No, nothing like nothing Devin nothing, would make the team as a fifth round pick. Like nothing 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 ruins my day quite like finding out like that somebody graduated high school in 2010 or 2011. <laughs> so thank you thank you for that. That's that's, that's what I needed. That's, I needed, that's just, I needed that's, that in my life like I That's just naturally that. what I associate with that year. It's like oh yeah that's the year that uh Must the Lakers won championship and I graduated high school. Uh, like yeah yes, I, I remember I, that. Yes. Mike, looking looking back on that 2012 (laughs) draft, Bobby Wagner is back on a one year after a one year hiatus with the Rams, which we might as well just pretend that that never happened. How much gas does he have left in the tank? I think a lot. Um, If you watch Bobby's film, like he was really good uh, last year. Actually, I was watching I would like watch film of like the Seahawks on Mondays or Tuesdays or something like that and like pull up Rams film and then probably try to catch a little bit of the Broncos offense if I could just all out of 
curiosity. I stopped watching the yeah. Broncos offense after like week like six. I was like, I don't need to. There wasn't I don't much need to keep see. seeing this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not in. I'm not in the horror. Yeah, I would. I would uh, rather watch the Bachelorette on Monday nights. Monday nights and watch the Broncos in primetime again. Right? Yeah, yeah like, the, that, was, that was rough. Yeah. That was that was that was really rough. Uh, but but Bobby, yeah, he was really good last year, and and I thought the Rams coaching staff did a really good job kind of maximizing what he can do at this stage of his career. Like earlier in his career, Bobby could do everything. Like everything you see Fred Warner doing, like running with number three receivers up the seam and stuff like he did against the Cowboys in that playoff game. Like Bobby used to be able to do all that at a very high level. Bobby's just yeah. turned like 33, I think, you know, in June. That's just, you know, Father Time and Floyd Mayweather, both undefeated, right? Like there's only so <laughs> much you can do ab- about that. But like what the Rams did was they tried to make sure Bobby was going forward as often as possible. Like in pass coverage, you usually just have the running backs on swing passes, you know, very simple stuff. Or he blitzed. Bobby had like a career high six sacks last year. So like the plan was very good. And I mean, and I trust Pete Carroll and this staff to have a plan for Bobby. A, they just saw the Rams do it. And B, they just know Bobby super well. So um, on top of his leadership and the intangibles um, that he brings, just a veteran, a guy who can just help the young guys take care of their bodies, manage their money, deal with the pressures of telling family no, dealing with all the women in your IG DMs, like how to just deal with all the stuff that comes <laughs> of being famous and all the distractions that come with uh, being a pro player. Bobby's going to be able to help yeah. all these guys with that, then help them on the field and then perform well on the field just for himself. So being a Bobby back is just like, there's a reason that everyone was just blowing up Pete's phone all off season. Like, Hey, we get Bobby yet. We get Bobby yet. We get Bobby yet. And so there's a reason it's not just because they missed him just because they like him as a guy. He brings so much to the, to the franchise. The IG DMs were a big, big issue when I graduated high school back in, <laughs> well, back sure. in 17, sure. 1787. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's a real, I was just, you know, we were prepping for the show. I was sort of, you know, you look at the, you look at the depth chart and I was like, I mean, this sounds like, that's, it's like, I was like, oh, I forgot he's there. But it's like, I was like, man, Jamal Adams. You know, like it, it, it feels he feels like a completely forgotten man because he gets hurt. The Seahawks are still good. And it's like everybody sleeps on the fact that, you know, even if the defense wasn't great, Jamal Adams, I mean, he's going to be a 10 sack guy. He's uh, he's 80 to one to win comeback player of the year. Any thoughts <laughs> on whether that be a, like a worthwhile uh, sprinkle and or how Jamal is going to look in, in, in this defense and how he's like if you if you've seen anything from him so far? He hasn't been on the field, but that's funny you mentioned the comeback player of the year. I was li- just this morning. I read uh, my colleague Tim Graham at the Athletic. He wrote a Jamar Hamlin piece and kind of floated the idea of like, "Hey, man, they might cut this guy." Um, and within and within that, or I guess not, they might. They just could because he's like the fourth safety or something. You know, like yeah. that spot isn't guaranteed. You know, so um, he he wrote about that, and then I was talking with one of my homies. Uh, we were talking about John Mechie of the Texans, who just yeah. got cleared to practice as well. Yeah, you know, he missed all his rookie year. And we were talking about maybe those guys competing for comeback player of the year. And then I threw, I just jokingly threw in there. I was like, Hey man, don't forget about Jamal. Like, you know, and I got laughed out of the group chat, but uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned that literally happened that that was this morning. So I do think it's easy to forget that Jamal's here. Cause I mean, he got hurt like 13 snaps into week one yeah. uh, last year. And then once Gino stole the show with that, I ain't right back. It was like, all right, we're just moved on as a kind of, as a football watching nation. But Jamal, when Jamal is uh, on the field, and finishes games, he's never been a bad player um, in no. Seattle. Like I feel like that statement cannot be refuted. And there's in Seattle, Jamal's pretty he's he's a pretty uh, polarizing subject. Absolutely. But that part is irrefutable. When he plays and he finishes the game, he is a very good player. Like he defends the run really well. He communicates really well with Quandre Diggs, who's one of his best friends. Like together, 
they're as good as any safety tandem in the league uh, for my money. That includes the boys up there in Buffalo uh, as well. So I think that w- if if Jamal comes back healthy um, from that quadriceps tendon tear, which is a big injury, like it took him a while just to even walk again. Um, if he comes back from that, him, Bobby, Quandre, um, the recently the new sixty million dollar man, Chenna Nuosu, like they have some pieces. Like yeah. they, they still have a lot to sort out, particularly in the middle. Um, but they have some pieces like it won't just I don't think the defense should be you guys got the numbers on the screen. It should be a lot better uh, than that this year. Um, if not, it's going to be some people looking at Pete Carroll funny because that will be like six years in a row where the defense mm. stinks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of his side of the ball. But yeah, uh, yeah they, they they should be much better if they can get all their star players on the field together. All right, Mike, uh, let's talk about how the Seahawks are going to do this year and look at some futures. Two-part question. One, odds to win division plus 210. Niners, of course, are the heavy favorite here, but there are a lot of people that say don't overthink this and maybe there's better value on Seattle at plus 210. It's hard to argue with the value. Do you think that they can win this division? You look at their win total, it's set at nine. Uh, win total in division, three and a half with that over juice to minus 130. I mean, you got to think they could sweep the Cardinals, right? And they could probably sweep the Rams. You know, it's not, I think the Niners, we could go one and one uh, with y'all. So I, I like that over in division. Do you think they get more than nine wins? And would you put any money on the winning the division yeah this as a retired gambler um i've learned (laughs) the balance uh i've learned the balance between finding value and burning money i I love me a lot of people haven't learned that yet (laughs) it's tough because it's enticing you know boxing is really the great example especially i mentioned floyd earlier it's like man floyd just had no value in any of his fights betting on floyd unless you were putting your house on him right Uh, but yes Man, but it, but taking the underdog was just such a bad bet. Um, you know, yeah. I remember having that conflict when he fought McGregor. Um, nah, dude, we, we I remember we were we were we were we had a bunch of dudes down in Pinehurst when um when when Floyd and Connor fought. We were all like, look, this price is stupid, but we are just unloading on Floyd because he's going to whip <laughs> Connor, and sure enough, he did. Yeah, because there's always value in winning money, no yes, matter how much is. it is. Like, so I say that to say I would probably just take the Niners. I think the Niners, <laughs> the roster is way too deep. Like we just mentioned some of the, the players that the Seahawks have like on their defense. Like it would take us an entire show to rattle off as many, all the good players that the Seahawks, uh, the, excuse me, the 49ers have on their I defense. I have time. And, like, I actually loaded. have all the time. <laughs> they're, they're just, they really, they really are just so impressive. They have like all pro players at every level of the defense. I'm not really sure how yeah. many teams can even say that from Hafunga to Fred Warner to Bosa, like that's DB linebacker, uh, D line, all pro, not just pro bowl. Like all pro means you're like one of yeah. the, two or three best at your in the whole league at your spot. Like that's tough to have three dudes like that at three different levels on one roster. So I would go with the 49ers. uh, And also because I was watching a lot of Panthers film last year after they fired uh, their coach, Sam Darnold was like, he wasn't like good, but he wasn't bad. Um, And when somebody like with the arm talent of Sam Darnold just isn't bad, you get some pretty good numbers and some pretty good production, which is what he had uh, last year in like a run first offense with a really mm-hmm. solid defense in the back half of the year. Um, like he was, he was actually decent. I can only imagine what happens when Kyle when Shanahan, Shanahan gets his yeah. hands on him. Yeah. So like, I actually don't think it matters if any of us on the stream play quarterback for the Freud. <laughs> we'd, probably, we'd probably have a decent completion percentage because of all the weapons that they, <laughs> that they have. So yeah, if you want, if you're a real big risk taker, go ahead, throw something on the Seahawks. But yeah. like, if you just want to, if you just want your account to say plus, you know, in in late yeah. in early January this year, just go right. ahead and 
throw some money on the Niners. However, I do think to answer the second part, I would probably put the Seahawks at about nine wins. Um, I think mm-hmm. that the ways they won last year were pretty sustainable. They weren't like a team like the Vikings or the Giants who just thrived on one game, one score wins. Like the yeah. Seahawks weren't weren't that way. They're not due for some massive regression in that regard. I think the Seahawks are just going to go out there and and beat teams. They also didn't get smoked a lot last year um, the, in the regular season, at least. Like they were largely competitive um, in most of their non-49ers uh, games last year. So I think that being competitive like PQLTs mostly are and not relying on one score games and also returning your quarterback and play caller combination. Those that usually tends to show you how sustainable your yeah. winning is. If those two people are on your team year to year. Um, I think that, yeah, they, they won nine games last year in regular season. They should probably get there, maybe take the over, maybe try to find eight and a half if you can and just hammer yeah. that um, yeah. instead yeah. of finding find nine. But yes, I'm a, I'm a retired gambler. So I, I speak yes. gambler, but I, I just <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't I can't yeah. do it in, anymore. I've been I've been burnt by too many too many too many <laughs> final legs of the parlays get burned. Yes, I, uh, I give it up. yes, yes. Hey, you know we understand that. And obviously, everybody always gamble responsibly. Uh, Mike yes. Dugar, thank you so much for joining us today and talking <laughs> Seahawks. You can find his articles on the Athletic. Com. Stay tuned for more from our All 32 series with Daily Drops in your podcast feed and on YouTube. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to this video if you're listening to audio only. Do the same. Uh, Mike, good luck this season, and maybe I'll see you at Levi's. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Mike. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.